Welcome everyone to the Learn Fresh podcast. My name is Nick Monzi, CEO and co-founder of Learn Fresh, and I'm joined by Calvin Seibert, our chief academic officer, my co-host, and affectionately and appropriately nicknamed the game changer of education. Changing the game. In this four-part series, we're going to be highlighting the inaugural cohort of the Learn Fresh Fellowship for Culturally Inclusive Education. The fellowship invites educators and curriculum writers of color to create and broadly share standards-aligned curricula that authentically represent the cultural, ethnic, and racial identities of their communities. In conjunction with Learn Fresh's existing community of education, program, and philanthropic partners, the fellowship provides space for educators to design, prototype, pilot, and promote their work. The fellowship strives to create a robust pipeline for the creation and implementation of culturally responsive K-12 curricula across all content areas from curriculum writers of color. In this episode, we're featuring Learn Fresh fellow Chris Robinson. Chris was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, where he is currently a special education teacher and athletic director at his neighborhood middle school, McAuliffe International School. Chris earned a Bachelor's of Science in Communication Studies from Northwestern University and after graduation lived for several years in Chicago before returning to Denver. Not long after, he earned his teaching license through an alternative licensing program and for the last decade he has worked in predominantly Title I schools as a special education teacher, administrator, and coach. So uh, what has led you to work in education? Um, that's a good question. I think uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about how long I've been doing this, uh, 10 plus years. But uh, also I came to it a little bit late in the game. Um, I didn't start until I was probably 28, 29 years old. Um, I got into teaching through alternative licensure, uh, but teaching and education have just been uh, well, education has been something that's important to me, something that I've always felt comfortable in. Um, when I was younger, school was one of those places that I felt good about myself. Um, and I, I wanted to be able to, uh, to bring that to students um, in my community and, and students that um, maybe didn't feel the same way I did about uh, school or find it fulfilling as I did. My, my parents are a big inspiration to me. Um, my mom was a speech pathologist. She worked with a lot of... Uh, of young people um, who had disabilities. My dad on the other end was a corrections counselor. So he worked with um, people who were in prison um, and they always just imparted in me like how important education is and and um, how it could be a great equalizer. I, I mean, even before then I had a, a aunt that was a teacher. Um, my grandma uh, always hammered into me like, go to school, do what you're supposed to do. Um, and I just took those lessons to heart and uh, kind of running with it. Gotcha. I, I really can relate to that. My my grandma, grandmother was a teacher, my aunt, my uncle. Um, so I, I can really relate to the family kind of pulling us into the education world. <laughs> the apple don't fall too far from the tree. So Absolutely. Uh, we, we both got pulled in in that space. And then that's really unique how, you, how you've had both sides, like your mom, in the education space and your father in the correctional place. So it's almost like, hey, you gotta, <laughs> here's a good spot and here's a spot that you don't wanna be pretty much. So that's a, that's a really special uh, special place that you were in. What would you say has been a highlight of your education uh, experience? 
Um, you know, most of my highlights are as a teacher. Um, I, I've worked in mostly um, schools that are high need with like high risk populations. Um, I've probably uh, learned a lot about myself uh, through teaching. I think it's made me a better parent. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not a big like uh, accolades person. I, I've definitely um, had like a lot of growth in students and, and hit the mark with students that um, <clears throat> didn't make a lot of growth prior to working with me. Uh, I'm a special education teacher, so, you know, it's my it's my bread and butter to work with students that um, are not fitting into or not um, achieving in the traditional setting. Um, but I, I would say like a highlight would be uh, my first year working um, in Denver in an area called the Sun Valley. Um, uh, I think it's like the Sun Valley Projects or something like that. But um, working with students who um, never, ever really liked school and like just getting them to want to come to class to see me, um, that would be a highlight. Um, I worked as an assistant principal for a little bit um, at a charter school. Uh, and although I didn't love every part of the experience, um, I did learn a lot about teaching by having that administrative perspective. Um, and then recently I started working in my neighborhood middle school, um, McAuliffe. Um, I, I live probably five minutes away and this is where I want my uh, two kids back here. My two kids, uh, you can't see them in the, in the podcast, obviously, but I, I'm sitting in front of a picture of them. It's where I want them to go when they hit middle school. So um, I, I really appreciate um, getting to teach in my community and teach at a place that might be the place where my kids go when they're that age. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that giving back, that spirit of giving back and then setting your kids up for success as well in the community. So diving into the kind of mission behind your work a little bit more, uh, can you just share a little bit about what drew you to the fellowship and what prompted you to apply? What was attractive to you about the opportunity? Um, like I said earlier, I've been teaching for a long time and um, you get into like a routine and I think I was probably like in a little bit of a rut. I, I, I am no longer connecting with my students just by virtue of being young or, or looking like them. So I need to... I needed to figure out a way to um, extend my reach, um, to bring something new, to um, to meet my students where they're at, and the the Learn Fresh Fellowship looked to be an opportunity to do just that. Um, like I, I've I've talked to Nick before. Um, students were telling me, "Hey, I want to be a YouTuber," and that was just like something that didn't exist when I was. Uh, their age, and who am I to stand in the way? Uh, you know, I want to. I want to figure out ways to help them achieve what they want, the way they want to. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love like, I know as a student, and then later as an educator, there are certain moments in your career where you either are a teacher, where you come across other teachers who feel as though they've developed a style or their way of going about the profession and they kind of stick with it and they're like just this is who i am this is how i approach the job this is how i engage kids and this is how i'm always going to be and i think it says a lot about you as an educator to you know have the self-awareness and the desire to continue growing and learning yourself um, and the interest in 
you know, finding some creative reflective space to, you know, think about how you can reimagine elements of what you do. So I, I love that. This is an interesting opportunity. It's kind of a big challenge in front of me, something I haven't done before, but who am I to tell kids to take risks if I can't do that on my own? You know, so this will, this will be a growth opportunity for me. And the better I get, the, the better I can be for kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And also I want to share too. So the education being a teacher is almost like, um, it's, it's like a, almost like an entertainment space. Like, you know, I think of the, the movie just being kind of silly right now, but I think of the clumps, you know, Eddie Murphy, he, he, he wore, he had to play all those different roles, um, for that, for that movie. But sometimes teachers feel like that because you have to connect. Um, sometimes, sometimes the basketball game doesn't work. Sometimes the, the, the stories don't work. Sometimes you just have to come in and, and completely flip the script on the kids while teaching them so that they can not be in your pocket and know your game. You know, if once they know your game and then they're winning and, 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 and then and now you got to go into a, a discipline space. <laughs> and so the entertainment, um, I'm glad that I, I you know, I, I enjoy entertainment and things like that. So it's like I can make those connections and say, you know what, every year, not just every year do I have to reinvent myself as a teacher. It could be weekly sometimes. Like I got to completely change this around. The way I taught this didn't work. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. We both get it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Being a teacher is a commitment to lifelong learning and being a teacher is a commitment to standing on a stage every day of your life. <laughs> literally, literally it, that is how it plays out. Yeah. So I've definitely, I've definitely bombed up there. I feel like a stand up. It's like, <laughs> well, I, you guys didn't learn anything today and that's not on you. It's like, I, I you know, you, you don't know how it's going to go. So you got to have a, a deep, deep, well, a deep, uh, deep bag of tricks. So Chris, let's let's dig in a little more on this as it relates to the fellowship. You know, obviously, over the last year, the world has continued to grapple with issues that are not new at all and have gone on for decades and centuries in terms of racial, ethnic, cultural equity and representation. When you think specifically about the field of education, are there some, again, specific areas in which you think that the sector can make progress as it relates to being a better representative and, and more inclusive for the students that we're serving across all of our communities. Yeah, I mean, school is an institution and, and institutions are slow to slow to change. I think that something that, you know, I'm learning is that although I love knowledge um, and I have this like ingrained curiosity and desire to like know things like for a lot of our students um life is just like more pressing the, like the, the realities of life are more pressing for them so it's like why do i want to know that i need to get here what's what's going to take me there the fastest um so i think a lot of times when we're like stressing like this bit of knowledge is really important for your development uh kids can't kids can't see that big of the picture and, and maybe they, maybe they're right. Maybe they don't, they don't need to, um, the school, like, you know, 
when I came out of school, I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to save money. And that's what's going to make me wealthy. And that's just not what makes you wealthy. Like knowing things about like the stock market, knowing things about networking, knowing things about, you know, finding um, holes in the market where you can um, fill that gap, you know. And I don't think school is teaching that. I mean, we're still teaching long division and we've got calculators and we're, we're teaching like uh, of mice and men when maybe that's not the, the text that's going to reach our students. So um, I think they're culturally, um, we're definitely not as representative of, um, uh, of what our student body looks like and like the relevance of what we're teaching. Um, it, I don't think it's meeting all of our most pressing needs. When you said, I've never heard someone phrase it that way before, but it really resonated that life is just more pressing for some students. That is like, that's deep. I really, really love that because it's true. You, the urgency that students feel from the world around them and their community and their home. Sometimes it's very minimal and sometimes it, it can feel like there's a, there's a tension that is present in their life on a daily basis, which is creating this urgency that maybe distracts them from the classroom or puts their attention in some other areas um, of their life, deservedly so. Um, I, I, just describing it in that way, I think, is really poignant. I think that's how they feel it. That's what, that's what I see. I mean, a lot of kids have um, curious minds, but... Um, it's hard to hard to tell them like you should learn this when uh, you know they're seeing a different idea out their window every day. Yeah, it's tough to teach optimism when you're in some communities hearing gunshots at night or in the daytime. It is tough, and uh, being you know from Detroit to to know that you need to shine for your students even though they're not seeing that on a daily basis at home sometimes it 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 really makes you dig in to yourself because you don't want to lose you know you know they tell us to say one kid is a good job miss me with that one man one kid i got 30 kids looking at me man get out of here <laughs> I almost feel like if one slips away, I'm right. <laughs> doggone it, you know. Yeah, the the space that we're in, it's you know, and I'm I taught for twenty years just to give you a little background. You know, I taught K through eight, and it's like to to teach different levels is is deep too, because you in kindergarten you see what they don't know that what and you know what they probably should know in kindergarten, and then you're looking fast forward to eighth grade, and you're like. What do you mean you're still on the fourth, fifth grade level? Like, what have you been doing? And like, you can't blame it on the kid for. You can't blame the kid. The kid, the kid didn't ask to be here. The kid didn't even ask to go to the school. <laughs> but uh, the kid is here, so now you have to find all the avenues that can try to save kids. And that's really why I became a teacher. I said, I want, I want to save kids' lives. That was my when the owner of the school asked me the first question like why are you why do you want to be a teacher you know first year fresh out of college like i just want to <laughs> save kids lives <laughs> like 
and I but the the deep part is I really meant that and and I and I I know he saw that through me and I, I kind of felt like well this guy doesn't know what he's about to get himself into let's see how long he lasts <laughs> and uh and I lasted I'm still here so 20 years is a long time <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it you know after the years go by you just keep reinventing you get a new crop of kids and it's like for me it doesn't it doesn't seem like it was 20 years, but all of the experiences that I've had, it, it seems like it when when those uh, younger kids start reaching out on social media and they're they're grown now. I'm like, that's Raymond. <laughs> like I saw a kid at a Pistons game and he's like, do you remember me from third grade? And I was like, I'm sorry. What is your name? I forgot. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you were the quiet one. <laughs> You were the one following the rules. I forgot your name. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's really cool when you when you see the end product, you know, and you see that that kid is from the outside, of course, looking in. He's the kids seem like they're okay. They've and you were a part of it. That's special. Yeah, I've I've had kids uh graduate for sure and I've had kids that I've seen and they're like, "Yeah, I dropped out." But like I, I do take like they, they stopped and talked to me. So I feel like I, I felt I was part of your life, hopefully a positive part. So, you know, that's that's what I, I, I try to keep in the back of my mind because every kid is going to take a different path. Um, and if they can like have some connection to me that they want to say hi to me later, I feel like I, I've been a good a good uh, influence for them. So um, what would you say uh, is a big goal that, that you have for the fellowship? What's your biggest goal? Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm hoping to have some professional growth of my own, um, but I'm hoping to have a product that I can um, use with students to, to make that connection. Um, I, I was recently introduced to a book that, I haven't cracked yet, but I have, I've heard great reviews about it. Um, it's by, um, I'm going to say, I might say his name wrong. It's Goldie Muhammad called cultivating genius. Um, and it's, it's just all about like culturally responsive ways to, um, teach literacy. And I'm hoping to, um, learn from that and, and apply it, um, for, for my students through my project here. Um, so I don't know. It seems also abstract right now, but um, I, I want to make some growth myself and have something that I can present to students that uh, that will be a relevant connection for them, and maybe through that teach them um, some of those uh, hard skills and and soft skills that uh, maybe they're not getting through their regular curriculum. Cool. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, get to know you a little bit more hear more about your inspiration behind joining the fellowship. And I know that Calvin and I are both incredibly excited to spend time with you this year. See you grow, see you work through the project, uh, see you create something incredible for your students and uh, looking forward to getting started. Thanks so much for joining everyone. Appreciate you spending time on the Learn Fresh podcast and we'll see you again on the next episode.
That's all for today's episode. To learn about the other fellows in the inaugural class of the Learn Fresh Fellowship for Culturally Inclusive Education, check out the other episodes in this four-part series. The Learn Fresh podcast is produced by our very own Nick Monzi and Sumner Becker with additional production assistance from Caitlin Woodward. Sumner Becker also does our engineering, editing, and music. The Learn Fresh podcast is part of the Side Audio Network, an audio community founded by Jeremiah Ote and Naranjan Kumar. The Side Audio Network hosts podcasts that aim to transfer trust between people and communities through storytelling and conversation.